You're listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com. Thanks for listening, and we trust that this teaching will grow you in following the way of Jesus. Well, kids, we hope that you enjoyed that video that tells the life of the Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote the book that we're going to be in today as part of our message, that being 1 Corinthians. And so we want to talk today about the astonishing reality of resurrection life. This past week, I I watched a story on CBC News about a reporter who went into a ER um, in a department in a Toronto hospital as they dealt with this COVID-19 pandemic. And they showed all the the changes that have happened and all the things that are going on in this hospital and, and dealing with patients who are infected and who are coming in and, and all the pressure on the doctors and on the staff and, and the huge emotional toll that is on them and the fact that there's patients that are there that are dying with no family members around and, and just the emotional impact and uh, distress on the staff was very apparent as you watch this story. And it got me thinking again because at the forefront of this ongoing pandemic that we're in, is the harsh reality of physical death, that people are being confronted with the reality of mortality. And and we don't talk and we don't like to talk about death to any great extent or depth in our society. We actually would rather talk about the statistics about it, but we don't really want to talk about really what is going on with death. We are actually increasingly obsessed with ways to prolong life, to prolong health, to prolong our physical youth, and and on and on it goes. And pleasure and comfort are, are some of the highest ideals that are valued and treasured and held dear in our society and in our culture. And, and those are tied to life and to health and to independence. But there's this yearning for this eternal life, life that never ends within us. We want to prolong it and we want to extend our life. It's, it's placed inside of us because it's a God-given desire for immortality. And the problem though is when we remove God from the equation and we try to seek it ourselves. It becomes a counterfeit pursuit with all sorts of pain and heartache and unfulfilled desires in our lives. 1 Corinthians 15 actually tells us that death is an enemy in verse 26. And it tells us that, the, that death is, is stinging, that, it, that it's like a sting in our lives. It's not just a natural end to life. Death is the result of sin. Death is an evil, actually, that only exists because of humanity's rebellion against God. Death is completely alien to God's kingdom. And so our inclination to fight against death, our desire to prolong its absence, shouldn't be surprising to us. We were not made for death. We're not meant to die. But having a biblically fed perspective in regards to life and to death is imperative to avoid the deception of our age that is all around us. Because actually a biblically fed life will approach and respond to the reality of death very differently than the world around it. We won't respond to it or regard it as the world does. 
because as we explored last week, the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. Everything. This isn't hyperbole. This isn't just hype that we're, we're trying to amp up. We're not stirring all of this up. No, for those who belong to Christ, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth changed everything because those in Christ, it says, are made alive. And so I say that with total confidence because of what 1 Corinthians 15 says. The effect of the physical resurrection of Jesus is astonishing for those who give their lives to follow him. And so for the next few minutes here, I want to talk about three astonishing truths about resurrection life from the back half of 1 Corinthians 15. And so really, in many ways, last week's message set this up for us as we looked at the reality of the resurrection. And now we look at the reality of what this resurrection means for us when it comes to resurrection life. So let's read 1 Corinthians 15 verses 35 to 49 together. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I just want to stop for a moment here and just just pray as we get into this passage. Father, I want to thank you for these words. I want to thank you for the truth of the resurrection of your son, Jesus. I want to thank you for the reality that he lives in heaven right now. And I want to thank you for these words that speak to us and reveal to us what is to come for those who are in Christ. And Lord, right now, I pray that you'd open up our hearts, open up our minds to understand what your word has for us this morning. Jesus, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. Amen. So the first truth that I want to talk about this morning 
is that resurrection life is new life, not simply ongoing life. Resurrection life comes with a new body, a heavenly body that is totally different than our earthly bodies. We are not taking these bodies, this body, into eternity. In 2019, the beauty industry was, they say, is valued around $532 billion, and it's growing every year exponentially. Body enhancement and cosmetic surgery are on the rise as well over the last few years. Last year in the U.S. alone, there was over 18 million cosmetic surgeries. No, no health uh, reasons made these surgeries a necessity. This was simply for cosmetic purposes. And the number of men opting for physical enhancement is also on the rise. It's important all of this is important. Why we talk about how the resurrection life is new life, not just ongoing life, because we want to live from a biblically centered perspective when it comes to our bodies. Jesus' body was completely different after his resurrection. What happened to him had never happened before, and it has never happened since on this earth. And while Lazarus and a couple others recorded in the book of Acts were raised from the dead to life, they were dead, they actually died again. They didn't receive the resurrection bodies that are spoken of here. They, they did actually die. But Jesus' resurrection body was completely different. Hebrews 7.16 actually speaks of Jesus as having the power of an indestructible life. There's nothing that can take away his life now. It's different. Our current physical bodies that we have, they're, they're perishable. They're, they're, they're in bondage to decay. And despite all of our attempts, these, these bodies, they're not the ultimate showcase that God intends for us. You know, despite all of my efforts, despite, um, you know, as I get older, my, my physical fitness, my attempts at physical fitness and, and all of that, my, my physical... Um, abilities and my athleticism and my abilities are decreasing. I, I, I cannot do what I did 15 years ago. I, I can't even do what I used to be able to do 10 years ago. I, I just, I, I wish I could. And it's, and it's sometimes it's frustrating because you realize I'm getting older. The, the reality is that the corruption of our bodies cannot be halted. Ultimately, the only thing that will happen to these bodies is that they are buried. But thanks be to God that we are not tied to these bodies forever. I'm not tied to this physical body forever. When we give our lives to Christ, when we submit to Him and we make Him the ruler of our lives, it says that we live by the Spirit in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit is actually living inside of us, in our physical bodies. Romans 8.18 says that the suffering of our bodies, or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, this light momentary affliction cannot compare with the glory that is to be revealed in us. The promise is that we are and 
we will be set free from this bondage to decay that's in our physical bodies. That we will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That our bodies actually groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for this. And what is this? Well, Romans 8.23 tells us, it says, it is the redemption of our bodies. This is speaking of the new life that is brought on by the resurrection of Jesus. Paul actually here in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he brings in horticulture and he brings in biology to support this point. He says, look at how seeds and plants, look at how they grow in the different bodies that God gives to them. Look, look at the, the different kinds of flesh that God has made, the animals and birds and fish, they all have flesh and yet they're very different. He says, in the same way, there is a body for eternity that is very different from this physical body that we now have. From the process of death that we all have to go through, God creates a totally different spiritual body for eternity that we can hardly even fathom or imagine. A body that has no pain, a body that has no aging, a body that has no gradual decay at all. There is nothing that will go wrong with the resurrection body. And Jesus is the perfect and the eternal prototype. There is no revisions needed now. Jesus is it. In John 5.24, it says that when we receive Jesus into our lives, we pass from death and we come into life. We have the promise of eternal life. There is no doubt. There is no doubt that we will never, ever experience death when we are in Christ. It is impossible for those who are in Christ. The second truth that I want to bring out from this text is that resurrection life is essential for eternity. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Resurrection life is essential to a biblical understanding of eternity. We are actually not simply souls. We are bodies. And so I want to read 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to verse 57 here for us. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says there in verse 50 that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Our earthly bodies cannot inherit what is to come. It, our earthly decaying body cannot be part of what is eternally incorruptible. Verse 43 says that 
what is sown in dishonor. What he's talking about there is physical death. And physical death is not pretty. There is deep grief in the moments when life departs from the physical body. And it's, it's something that's really hard to actually see, regardless of how it happens. The decline of, of the human body is a hard process for most of us. In many cases, death is an experience that reveals its abnormality, that it's actually an abhorrence to the way of God. But God has defeated the power of sin and death. It's not the end for those who are in Christ. What is sown in dishonor, it says, is raised in glory. We are not destroyed. We are not reincarnated. We are raised to a new existence. What ends physically in weakness, it says, is raised in power. Yes, we receive a totally new body, but there's actually continuity to our lives and to our existence and the life that we've lived on earth. We don't end. We go on. But man, we've got a totally, like totally new resurrection body. Our, our heavenly bodies will be remarkably different. The very best of our physical bodies, whatever we could do here on this earth with our physical bodies, cannot cope with the fullness of that which is life in eternity. The glory of the heavenly body is something that's totally different, it says here. And there is no eternal life apart from this. You cannot get to heaven another way. You cannot gain eternal life because you believe you're a good person or for some other reason. Not all roads lead to God. As human beings, it says we are all under Adam, meaning we've inherited the process of physical decay as a result of sin in our human bodies. We share these characteristics that were brought on by the curse of Adam. But, and this is the most important but, perhaps one of the most important buts in all of the Bible, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. Jesus defeated the power of sin and death by being put to death. Sin was properly dealt with in that death and is defeated forever. It tells us that eternal life is found in Christ. And resurrection life comes with the promise of a resurrection body that is only through Christ. He is the one who has the power. He is the life-giving spirit, it says in verse 45. The resurrection body doesn't come through anything else. It only comes through Jesus. We must be transformed into his likeness. We must be made like him. Only Christ-like people inherit the kingdom of God. So the first truth was that resurrection life is new life. It's not simply ongoing life. The second truth is that resurrection life is essential for eternity. And the third truth is that resurrection life is effectual now. The promise of resurrection life to come affects our life in Christ right now. You know, verse 
50 to 56 here is, is sort of hard to translate from Greek to English. There's a lot of the, the way that the Greek is put together that just doesn't translate well into uh, some of the limitations of our language. But when you, when you add some of those difficulties when you're reading this and trying to understand it, and when you add to that some of the ideologies of our culture that split human beings into different parts, what you can actually end up doing is moving away from a biblical understanding of what it means to have a body. Because biblically, we don't have a body. Biblically, we are a body. Meaning, our physical experience and everything with that is interconnected with every part of us, with our minds, our souls, our emotions. That's why we're told to love the Lord our God with everything we have because it is all interconnected. We cannot compartmentalize anything, including our bodies. And so, in eternity, our resurrection body is going to express the supernatural life of God's Spirit in the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be astounding. It's, it's going to be beyond anything that we can humanly comprehend right now. And yet, Scripture tells us that if you are in Christ, that you have God's Spirit living inside of you right now. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you when you are in Christ, leading you into truth as you walk in obedience to God's word, as you walk in obedience to following God's ways. The Holy Spirit is in you, making you more and more and more like Jesus. And this is the goal. This is the desire, the joy, if you will, of the Holy Spirit to lead us to Jesus, to make us more like him. And this is what Romans 8 is getting at. The, the more the work of the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus, the more these earthly bodies that we have, they begin to anticipate and desire what is to come, what awaits us, and yet recognizing our bodies even know what currently is not. We, we are waiting eagerly to be set free, to, to be with Jesus as we age and as we physically regress, we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. And so new life in the Spirit, even on this earth, is, is incredible because we actually begin to see how the Holy Spirit is, is shaping and transforming us for the life to come. <clears throat> Amidst the physical decay that we, we are going through, yet despite that, we experience beauty and delight as we live in the goodness of God, because we know what's coming. Our bodies are awaiting this as we pursue God, as we are pursuing Christ, as we're, as we're seeing what is to come for the children of God. Our bodies are anticipating what is to come. And so, yes, our first body right now has all the limitations of our flesh and our earthliness, but our second body, the heavenly body that is to come, will have all the capacity of God's Spirit. Nothing will be lacking. And so, this leads us to verse 58. Paul's conclusion and the implications now of what awaits those in Christ. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, or my beloved brethren, all of us, be steadfast, 
immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Earlier in in verses 29 to 34 here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul unpacks the impact of the claim of resurrection life in the here and the now. And he says, look, if it, if it didn't happen, and therefore we have life but only on this earth, he says, then li- live it up. Because pursue whatever you want. Because life, this life might as well just be all about your pleasure. Why would you care remotely about something like this if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It it makes no difference. But he says, if the resurrection happened, if the resurrection is real, then how we live while awaiting this life to come is is of the utmost importance. And earlier I, I said that a biblically fed life responds to death very differently. It it will also though respond to life very differently. We we live differently. We think differently. We plan differently. We hope differently. We spend differently. We react differently. We are different because of resurrection life. This is not the end. This is not the end of my existence. Right now what's happening on planet earth and what what we're living with and what we're living through, this is not the end. But how I live And what I live for does have an impact on eternity for me. And so we're told here that we have victory through Jesus Christ. We can live in victory. Absolutely. But don't confuse that victory as some promise to to some prosperity life that is influenced by Western consumerism more than it's actually influenced by the truth of God's word. No, this victory that is promised is specifically referring to the resurrection life that is to come. That's the victory that we're living out of. The victory of what is to come for those of us who are in Christ. And so we live in the goodness of God's promise that whatever comes, whatever we face in life, and there is lots of difficult things right now that some of you are facing, that a lot in this world are facing, that we are, we're walking through together and we don't know where all these things that we're experiencing, where they're even going to end. But whatever it is, and there's hard seasons, and there's difficult situations, and there'll be more of those to come even than we we can even guess. In all that, the Holy Spirit is making us more like Jesus. And we have the promises of resurrection life. And so it says here, therefore, we're to overflow and we're, abound, we're to abound in God's work with eyes set on his kingdom. And so when you think about this, just real life, reality, mom and dads, right now, this is true. Even as you grind through the reality of stay-at-home orders and the grind of school at home and all the different things that this is bringing into homes and all the challenges and all the frustrations, and that, that's reality that we're facing in all of that. We can see it all as to the glory of God. And so, all of our labor, all of our toil, all of our hard work for the kingdom of God, it says here, is not without purpose. 
Because Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 4, what is coming for us is beyond all comparison. Whatever we walk through in this life, whatever we will walk through, it's be, what's coming, just what we're going through now, pales in comparison. And we should notice the intentional contradiction here at the beginning and the end of 1 Corinthians 15. If the resurrection didn't happen, then all of this living for Jesus is in vain. It serves no purpose. It has no purpose. But because the resurrection is true, all of our work for the Lord is not in vain, it says. It has purpose. Because we are in the Lord, it says there in verse 58. And the structure of this sentence in the Greek, the way that the Greek puts itself together, it actually ends with the words, in the Lord. And the implications are clear. If we are in the Lord, we are safe. We have the promise of resurrection life to come. Those who are in Christ will be resurrected in the same way, with the same body as Jesus himself. That is astonishing for all of us. And so as we end this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to think about something out of these words. And that is, where do I need the resurrection life of Jesus and all its truth to flow into my life? And that begins with accepting Christ and submitting your life to him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the door. I am the way. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. All of it flows through me. And so, Jesus' invitation this morning is to follow me. Submit your life to me and come into relationship with me and my Father in heaven. And so if you desire to do that this morning, if you desire to come into that relationship with Jesus and to experience what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about this morning, and to experience the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, the Holy Spirit actually bringing the life of Jesus to work inside of you, and the promise to come of resurrection life and a new physical heavenly body, then I want to invite you to pray with me this morning and to receive Jesus as Lord, to follow Jesus, and to obey him with your life. And so, as I pray this, you can simply recite these words after me, and you can have the assurance that you have been saved, that you have come into life, that you've come from death, as Jesus says in John 5, and you actually are in life, and you have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I thank you today. Thank you that you love me, that you came and you died on a cross to save me. And I receive you today as my Lord and as my Savior. I receive you, Jesus, as the resurrection and the life. And I ask you today, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, 
to forgive me of all the wrong things that I've done and to make me brand new. I invite you today, Jesus, into my life. Holy Spirit, I invite you to make your home with me and I receive the promise of life eternal in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I love you, and I receive you today. Amen. I'll end today, this morning, for all of us as we go on into another week, another week of things that we don't know where they're all going to go, and yet we trust our Heavenly Father, and we pray that Jesus is at work, and we know that He's at work. And so, as we go into this week, I want to leave you with the benediction from the end of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And that is, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. May you be blessed, may you be strengthened, and may you know the resurrection life of Jesus this week within you. Amen. Have a great week, church. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. We hope that this material served to help you grow in following the way of Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com.